I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yes, you're very welcome along to the huddle breakdown. It was an international break, but we are coming back and back with a bang. St. Johnson in the League Cup final coming up this weekend. Juco James and Alan Morrison are on the line with me as always. Lads, how are you? Good, thanks. Hanging in there. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing? So it was an international break. Scotland obviously doing the business um, over the international break. Ireland doing the business as well, albeit against Luxembourg as opposed to one of the best teams in international football right now. But we're not going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about um, the League Cup semi-final coming up this weekend against St. Johnson on Saturday. Uh, so, some questions coming on on social media as well. We'll get to them. And uh, we are going to talk about the sad news, really, that broke this week. And that was the passing of Bertie Ald, one of the Lisbon Lions and beloved character within the club, for sure. I mean, outside of his wit and, and funny remarks and the, the videos that are being shared around here, Alan, this guy was a legend of the club, a brilliant figure, and just seemed like an all-around, all, all like, really great guy. Yeah, I mean, just an, an enormous personality and, and a... And part of the Celtic fabric for a long, a long, long time, which you know, would any of us would would love to be. And and he, you know, he was in many ways the the face and, and voice of of the connection between uh, the club at any level and the supporters. He was essentially a supporter. Uh, he had a wonderful playing career. Uh, he was in a manager for about fourteen years, and but then you know he, he's been associated with with the club. You could call it in a sort of ambassadorial. Role that I don't. If you, if you live in, I mean, I don't live in in Scotland and haven't done for a long time. But I get the sense that virtually every Celtic supporter who lives in Scotland, certainly in Glasgow, has met Bertie at some point or another because he, you know, and he was the sort of person that would have gone out of his way to to talk and engage in a in a genuine and meaningful way with people, and just seem like a, come, comes across when you read the stories as just being a a genuine, uh, lovely, lovely man uh, above all else. Uh, and you know we will remember the footballer as well. I mean, what a gifted, gifted midfield player! Very much a modern player in the sense of being an all-round talent, um, hard as nails, um, goal scorer, uh, creator. Um, I will chuck in a little stat: uh, he created seven chances in the in the European Cup final, the most of any Celtic player. 
So uh, that was brilliant. He had the highest expected assists in the in the European Cup final of '67. So there you go. But again, so you, you actually did a, a deep dive on the the European yeah. thing as well, didn't you? Yes, I know, and I need to refresh it. I I did it before I, I I was really doing any of the sort of packing data, and that would be quite interesting because football's changed a lot. It might surprise people to know the Celtic dominated the game, obviously, as as, as people know, and. But only completed 280 passes in the match, which is really low, as you know, by modern standards. That that idea of having you know possession and patience didn't, it wasn't really the style of football then. Even though Celtic were a, a footballing team by by those those days standards, it was still very direct, um, sort of vertical football. Really, that was get the ball forward quickly, and that was very much the style. Even though Celtic did control the game, but Bertie Old and Bobby Murdoch were absolutely formidable. Murdoch was my man in the match in that game. And what a player. And Bertie Old not far behind, you know, th- three Scotland caps to scant scant reward for the talent that, that he was as a player. But listen, that was a long time ago. And in the in the in the years uh, after that, it's the it's the man, it's the presence, the the communicator, the motivator, the the funny guy, the just the, the absolute you know, warmth, uh, humour, and, and and love that irradiated for Celtic at all times that will be fondly remembered uh, for, for forever. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, all of our thoughts in the huddle breakdown go to his family and uh, the loved ones he left behind because he will be forever remembered as a legend of the club, as well as uh, a really good man as well. So that was the passing of Bertie Ald. There is a Celtic game this weekend after a long international fixture. We will get your comments later on. We asked for them on Twitter. But if you are watching on YouTube or anywhere else, leave a comment below. We'll try to get to as many as we can before the end of the show. James, you've been doing some digging into the St. Johnson side of things for this weekend's game. Um, Obviously, St. Johnson notably won the, the double last year, as opposed to Rangers doing anything other than the league. So where are St. Johnson in comparable to the team that won the double? Well, I'm going to be a bad show participant and ruin your format again. And uh, I'm just going to say something okay. really quick about Birdie. Um, no, it's okay. No, it's okay. I One of the things that I've uh, – one appreciation I've got, uh, garnered in the last two years is I've really uh, dove into um, – initially from Alan's site, and that's how I got to know Alan personally. It was as a, a reader of, of uh, his tremendous site and that amazing um, – placard that he has up with with the review of that game is I think when you look at that team through the lens of analytics it's even more great than what the legends are if that and that's almost hard to conceive meaning that as as legendary as all of those players are and have been I I think that um some of that's almost been diluted based off of the domestic success that we've had in the last decade, meaning that the, what they were able to do not only on in the European stage, but domestically against a much more, you know, league of parity. Um, it, it's just orders of magnitude different than uh, what the Rangers did in the nineties or uh, what we've done in the last 10 years. And um as, as Alan said, his performance in the cup final against Catanaccio, I mean, it's just, you know, there's a reason why they call all these people icons and legends. Uh, and it's so sad because it, r- it really is um, 
never probably to be repeated. The, the global landscape has changed so much. Um, so I just wanted to say that. I mean, it's just orders of magnitude, the disparity in how great they were. And and he being, you know, the, the real word icon, I think, because of that, his three-dimensional aspect of not only a great player, but just off, of, off the pitch and his humanity, um, I think, is what, you know, ultimately was the, the, the true greatness. So I just wanted to say that quick. Um, back to something much less uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So I, I think St. Johnston, it, when I, when I've re- reviewed them looking in ahead to this game, I, I think they have some major issues and I think the issues have to do with talent. Um, you know, a club of their size and resources. I, I actually uh, wrote this in a piece this past week. And when I took a look at them, they've had almost no um, transfers in the last decade that they've actually spent money on. I mean, they only have free transfers for the most part. Uh, They have less than probably, you know, it's an estimate now. We don't have data for this season, but I'm estimating about 8% of our wage bill. Um, What they were able to accomplish last season was truly excellent, but they had players like Ali McCann and Kerr. and they kind of caught lightning in a bottle and, and, you know, Davidson did a very good job by all on, on account, all accounts. But when you, uh, they got about 2 million for those two players when they sold them towards the end of the window. And that likely went to, uh, bolster the club for pandemic losses rather than be get reinvested in the squad. So I think they've had a material hit to their squad. Um, it's reflected in their performance metrics they're down about their net penalty. I'm sorry, non-penalty um, uh, XG difference so far this season through one round is down about 0.6. To put that into perspective, that's um, more than our non-penalty XG has changed season over season. And we've talked about how much better we've been performing. So that gives you a, an idea of the scope of you know, what their performance levels and, and they started last season, very difficult. They had a rough patch to start the season last year. Um, but their underlying metrics were not in line with that this season. They're not doing very well, but their metrics are, um, supporting that. (laughs) So obviously we're talking about a cup game. Um, anything can happen as we all know, variance is very high in single games, but one of the things they've really struggled with is creating chances from open play. Middleton's not going to be in the game. May's not going to be in the game. So for a team that's already struggling in that capacity to have two of their um, players that even theoretically could, you know, hit a shot from 25 yards, which, you know, to be frank, that's the kind of thing outside of a set piece that's most likely. Um, And in the game that we just recently played against them, uh, now again, it was at, at home versus Hampton, but the pitch size is comparable and the crowd's likely to be heavily tilted in our favor and energized for, for obvious reasons. Um, I think that we, they had, la- they had like 0.15 XG. I mean, it basically had no chances against us of any consequence. Uh, and that, that game we played with Jackamacus to start Kyogo's sounds like he's definitely going to start and play the most, most of the minutes. Uh, and when he was on the pitch for a half hour, basically, we blew him, blew him away. Yeah. Um, so I, this is a game that we should control and dominate. I mean, I, I would be shocked if they don't bunker and park the bus. 
um, and try to just draw this out as long as they can to keep it close. I, I just have a hard time seeing how they're going to get control of the game and, you know, have a go, as they would say, in this environment yeah. with the deficiencies they're going to have in the squad. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, as far as from an analytical perspective, this sh- this is about as confident as I've been going into uh, one of these kind of cup games in, in recent memory just because of this matchup and what it looks like. And I think the disparity between people saying, oh, well, they, you know, they're a good cup team. And uh, coming off of that success that they had last season, which was, you know, really amazing for a club of their size. Um, I I don't think I I think that's a recency bias thing. And if you look at where they're actually at right now, I think we should be very, very uh, confident. Okay, just to give an update on the Celtic squad itself. Ange Postacoglu is speaking today. Uh, Jikamakis is not going to be back for this. He thinks it's going to be too soon for him to make a return. Uh, defender Kar Starfelt seems to be uh, a little bit too soon for him to come back. And, and Tom Rogic in midfield as well as a doubt for this game. Other than that, everybody is available. So you're probably looking at a, a very similar enough lineup to what Celtic have been putting on on the pitch in, in recent games. Alan, the the question always comes up and it's it's one of the main questions that's coming into us on social media as well uh, for today is sort of a question going into this game as well. And that is if St. Johnson do put 11 men behind the ball, what will we see from Celtic to break that down? Because in games before the last international break in the, the second, third, as we described it on last week's show, um, that is something they really struggled with. So what can we do to break that 11 men behind the ball down? Yep, I, mean, I agree with James. It's likely that's the way they'll go. I just, I just before I get into that, then I noticed that um, their striker Kane was sent off in the last league game. I'm assuming that suspension doesn't carry over into League Cup. I think it's only if it's violent conduct, maybe that it c- covers different competitions. Um, but anyway, just one to one to watch out on. I mean, Middleton, Middleton and May being absent um, just further reduces. What I've always thought over the last five six years is is the team with the least pace in it the way we play, uh, and they compensate for it well in other ways by being compact and organised. Um, but this is a team, as James said, that has really struggled to create chances, and the midfield especially I think is probably the, the weakest area of theirs. And you could, you could argue it's the weakest area of Celtic's as well for all, all the reasons that we've spoken about. Um, so I think it looks likely, and it makes sense to me, that it being a cup match, they, they hang in there for as long as they can. And that they'll have three centre-backs that will play that won't deviate from the width of six-yard box, probably, never mind, never mind the 18-yard box. They'll stay, they'll stay narrow, and they'll probably stay uh, quite deep as well. So Celtic will have a, a forest of, uh, to, to pardon the pun, a forest of, of, of big lads to navigate through, which is a familiar... Uh, scenario um, I, I think there's as much how does Celtic get through it well easy answer is patience uh, showed that in the game at home against St Johnson where we didn't create a lot but by the end of the game we'd, we'd uh, especially in the last 15 minutes we'd really kind of opened them up you know many times and you know does it matter whether you have all your chances in the first 10 minutes or the last 10 minutes if you win 2-0 it, 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 probably, it probably doesn't really matter actually Um you know, Celtic have moved to a model under Postacoglu 
where they are exerting more um, control over games. So expect St. Johnson to be defending that big pitch for without the ball for a considerable amount of time, the number of passes that Celtic are, and even the number of possession that Celtic are, are having um, in recent times, is, if you can believe it, is, is even going up. I think possession pre the last international break was uh, 64%. In the last game since the last international break, it's actually 70%. I mean, so that's really, and, so, and, and playing St. Johnson, I can imagine it's going to be even higher, higher than that, you know, because aside from long balls up to Kane, they're not going to have a huge amount to go at. How do you break them down? As I say, patience. And I don't mean just mean patience from the players. I mean patience from us. You know, mm. the, the, the majority of people inside Hamden have got to stay with the team and realise this for all their frailties in creation this season, this is still a very... Very difficult team to break down with a decent goalkeeper and decent defenders. You know they're not going to throw throw goals away, right? We've got to stay with them, and got to accept that it may take seventy minutes, seventy five minutes when legs and minds start to tire before you start to create those chances. Kyogo playing. I mean, Kyogo spent the last two weeks sat on a plane. Um, he should be raring to go. He's had a total of about forty minutes of football in the last two weeks, so uh, he's, he should be nice and nice and fresh, hopefully. Um, and and the rest of, it, of the attack, I think, are in, in pretty good form. So that speed of movement, obviously, again against a packed defence, um, you've got to keep moving them. You've got to keep making the defenders make decisions. So that means moving the focus of the attack, moving the angle of the attack. It doesn't, you know. Yes, by all means. Chuck in the odd long ball, the odd high ball, just to mix it up. Keep them thinking. If the worst thing you can do is against a packed defence is fall into a pattern, what I call the sort of horseshoe futility, where the ball goes round and back and round again. Mm. Even if you lose possession, talk about putting risk into it. Just mix it up. Sometimes try a long shot for heaven's sake. You know, try it. Try a try the odd long um, diagonal. Try the odd cross into the box. Um, just just keep mixing it up but be uh, allied to being overall being patient, I think is the way forward and trust, trust each other, trust that quality will eventually come through. We've, we've got a reasonably strong bench now compared to where we were at the beginning of the season. So, you know, put it out there, take some risks, run your legs off. Someone else comes on for the last 15 to change the game. Potentially it's, it's, it's all those things. It's no, no magic formula. It's it's hard work. It's application. It's patience. It's variety. Yeah, just to confirm that Chris Kane is available for this game. Uh, his suspension doesn't come in until next week. Glenn Middleton is a doubt for St. Johnson. Uh, he picked up a knock on international duty. And uh, Stevie May is also out for this game. Uh, that was confirmed earlier on today. So they're missing a couple of players. Um, I mean, by the by the way, I mean, the last three, sorry, and the last three league games, they've actually only conceded one goal, two clean sheets in a row. So they're, they're coming into this, you know, Decent form. I mean, defensively, they're they're pretty good. You know, mm. the, the, the defense is still one of the strongest in the league. It's just up up top. They're they're really struggling. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're actually not in bad form in, in terms of the last three games. Yeah, they're they're a defense first side anyway. So if they put more defenders on the pitch and backs to the walls, then they're going to be a pretty tough side to break down. James um, Edward Y of Oz is coming in on uh, YouTube here. He's asking about the Beaton revival. Does Beaton's <laughs> role in this game uh, is that going to be crucial for Celtic breaking that down? Because he does have a good range of passing that 
he can hit the first uh, first ball through uh, if Kyogo makes that run. Yeah, assuming he's going to start at the six, um, I think he could be vitally important. Meaning, uh, you know, within the context of Alan and and my uh, discussion and debate on uh, Jota last week about taking risks, and I think this is the exact kind of game where taking passing risks in the final third should be of paramount priority, and and Beton fits with that uh, hugely. Um, particularly with Rogic not playing or available. Um, and I, again, just a, a, another statistic about uh, to support Allen's comment on their likely lack of pace and kind of quality in midfield. Um, they're third to last in the league. Well, they're tied for second to last with Motherwell as far as counterattacking shots. Right. So if you think about this from a risk reward perspective, one of the things that you'd be worried about if you're going to be aggressive and try to create chances through through risky passes would be exposure and transition and uh, and getting counterattacked. And that's just not their strength. They have not been doing a good job at that. They're going to be missing most of their pace that they do have and quality in, in the attacking third. Um, so for me, from a risk reward we should. This should be a barrage, an onslaught of attacking their box with risky passes, um, and depending on selection. I mean, again, this to me, uh, even Abada would be his his kind of poacher's uh, strength um, and ability to create, you know, chances off of deflections and anticipating balls and movements in the air, that kind of thing could be a good game for him. So, you know, we've talked about in the past some kind of my idea of just when we when we face these bunker teams to out um, out physicality, I mean, that with our uh, better quality and, and a little bit better athleticism, uh, let's just go ahead and get it in the mixer. You know, take take the chances in the risky passes, not, not necessarily high balls like Alan says as far as, you know, high crosses, although I think Kyogo could be really dangerous in that regard against them um saturday but more so kind of vertical passing uh direct balls in the channels try to hit runners and if they intercept then we counter press them and you know staunch out whatever counterattack they're probably going to try and what they're probably going to do is kick the ball long in which case we've seen for the most part our our um our center backs have been handling that reasonably well mm. um and again they don't really have the speed out wide to you know, for even with Kane playing and for him to play in someone making a vertical run, again, it's a risk. But given their profile, I think it's less of a risk than we'd face versus, you know, a guy like Janelli from Hearts or, you know, some of these other guys that can present a little bit more of a threat in, in that counterattack. Yeah, just a, a very quick one before we move on to the comments uh, on the long ball situation with with Celtic. Alan, you might have the data on this. What effect does the fact that it's probably going to be Stephen Welsh in the centre back position now with uh, Cameron Carter Vickers? Does that- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That have on our ability to play long diagonal balls from the center back position. Yeah, I mean, Welsh actually stood up one of the one of the areas that we commented on in the show last year, the few the few shining lights of last season was that that Welsh, one of the areas that Welsh improved as the season went on was his, his passing and his range of passing. I say range of passing, I mean he wasn't one like Bitton who's gonna potentially you know ping a 50 yarder, but just in terms of not asking for the world, just asking you to break that first line. So even if St Johnson they may, if they're being bold, try and put a couple of attacking midfielders like a you know Wotherspoon perhaps or um I don't know who else they've they've, they've got that comes to mind. Um um, McPherson, you know, they got from Saint. Yeah, Mary, McPherson, maybe. The yeah, they, they they may they may elect to go and put those two behind Kane and try and get them to support him where possible. That would kind of make sense. Um, what you won't find, I suspect, with those two players is that they they'll try not to be on the wrong side of the ball when the balls move forward. So if you do have a defender like Welsh, who's capable of getting through that initial three, then you're down to seven players between you and the goal. And although five of them will be defenders. Um, you know, you'll t- you'll take those odds. So that just that ability of the defender to take out that front three, and if you think about other teams that Celtic have played, Motherwell, for example, are very bold and their front three stay high. So you're constantly pretty much the first pass takes out their front three, and and suddenly you're you're you know you're a team of Celtic's quality against their their quality of defender, and you'll take that all day long. Whereas, um, you know, when we played against Livingston, you know, they, they just would not let you get behind them. So even even the striker was defending in the middle of his own half. So it was very difficult to even get beyond that front press, uh, you know, to 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 get to get to anybody. So um, to me, Welsh. Long story short, I think if we if they do go a little bit bold and do play a couple of players in slightly advanced positions, I think he's 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 got a real strength actually. In that in that ball progression, and then we've seen with Carter Vickers, he's developing that signature pass from from right centre back to 
in what's the old inside right position. So he, he had a great connection with Rogic, but actually it doesn't seem to matter who's playing there. He's 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 uh, he's finding Turnbull there uh, with regularity as well. So that pass that is, is almost his signature move uh, tends to take out at least two or three opponents every time he does it, and that's a real good uh, good base camp to then start building the game because then if you can get your creatives on the ball halfway inside their half, you've got a real chance of of, mm. of building from there. Okay. Anything else you just want to touch on before we move on to the comments? I was just going to, again, I'm just making the same point again, but their top expected assister in the SPFL is actually May at 0.14 expected assist per 90 minutes, which is pretty average and low. And he's their best and he's not playing. He's their best pressing <laughs> forward. He's, he, he's been their best pressing forward too, Alan. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, we may well get egg in our face. And if it was last year, <laughs> then we would we would be really majoring on all the concerns, but my sense is with I'm expecting um, I'll be honest right I'm expecting Postacoglu another two weeks on the training ground with these players I'm expecting another level of improvement in Celtic's play another level in terms of cohesion another level of control um, and therefore I'm relaxed <laughs> as as I can be about these things. Interesting. We uh, we will move on to the comments that have come in on the Huddle Breakdown Twitter at Huddle Breakdown. If you want to follow us there, and do leave a, f- a few comments on if you're watching on YouTube as well, we'll try to get to them. We'll start with this uh, one coming in from Christopher Smith, and I might take this because um, it's in relation to Shamrock Rovers. He's asking, "Are Shamrock Rovers an untapped, rich seam of talent?" Um, I wouldn't say so. Uh, what I would say is that Dermot Desmond uh, <laughs> owns shares in Shamrock Rovers, hence the uh, added interest in their players. Liam Scales obviously came over to the club, um, and now Danny Mandrew is being uh, linked with the club. Now, I should say that Stephen Bradley, the Shamrock Rovers manager, was speaking to the media today, and he actually rubbished the claims. He said that Celtic haven't been approached by Celtic about Mandrew. He was very quick to confirm that Celtic had been in, in contact about uh, Liam Scales. So, You'd imagine that it uh, it really wouldn't affect them all that much if he were to say that Celtic had been in contact. Rovers have already won the league; they're not in the cup final, so it wouldn't affect their season at all if he was to confirm that. On Mandreu himself, I personally would not uh, sign him as a, as a Celtic fan and as somebody who has watched his career develop since he was at Bohemians. He's an excellent player. He's a very good talent, very good on the ball, very nice player to watch but he's not what Celtic need. Celtic do not need another player like Danny Mandrew. What I would describe him as is very similar to a David Turnbull, very good on the ball, got a good passing range, good at taking shots from from long range. There's a good video of him scoring from almost the halfway line uh, for Bohemians a couple of years ago, but he's not quick enough. Um, He doesn't press enough. He doesn't work hard enough. And he is very much what I would describe as a luxury player. He's, He's just, you know, you can't, carry a player like that at this level and that's what I would describe him as. Secondly his attitude has been brought into question several times throughout his short career so far. He's only in his early 20s when he was with Bohemians he fell out with the manager Keith Long over uh, a situation that really didn't deserve for a, a falling out on a public stage. Then he went to the rivals in Shamrock Rovers so um, yeah his attitude has never really been something that people have been all that impressed with. So that would be my thoughts on Danny Mandrew to Celtic. I personally 
would not sign him for those reasons. James, I'm not sure. Did you look into him in terms of his data or what kind of a player he is? Yeah, just out of curiosity, because it was one of those weird uh, links. So who could be agent chatter? Who knows? But um, just trying to float a story. But um, yeah, he just in the little benchmarking exercise I go through, it did not make any sense from what I could tell. Uh, one of the things I try to look at is because, you know, positions are always different. Systems are always different. But for a player that age playing at that level to make the jump to Celtic, to me, they need to stand out significantly in at least one area of their performance data. Um, and I didn't see anything in his profile that screamed, this guy's dominating his level. Um, so he looked, yeah, he looked, you know, in the top third consistently of particularly in attacking, as you said, uh, as far as his peer group in the league, in that league. Um, but to me that, that did not suggest that it would be particularly with his age being 23, I think 22 or 23. Um, you know, I, I, it looked comparable to scales to me. Actually scales looked a little better from a peer group perspective. Um, Mm. so yeah, it didn't, didn't jump out to me as a, a necessarily a good idea. Yeah. I think he's a, he's a, he's a good player. I don't want to, uh, downgrade him in terms of his talent, but, there's a lot going on outside of that that would make me question yeah, uh, whether or not I, we should sign him. I joked uh, when I did I did a little thread on it on Twitter. The one thing that screams and jumped out is that he scored 15 goals in, in on the season on like six xg. So yeah. oh no, <laughs> yeah, they, they call that the Schwed syndrome. <laughs> uh, so you know. He's probably had some really great highlight reel type of goals this season. I'm guessing, if that's the case, uh, from distance. Yeah. Um, but the likelihood that that's sustainable to that degree um, is is unlikely. Yeah, the outside of the obvious Dermot Desmond links and why this story has come about, uh, Jack Byrne, who was previously Shamrock Rovers number ten, moved to Apoel um, in the Cypriot League last year. He's coming back to them now. So the, there could also be some agent uh, work at play here as well, I would say. Um, just, uh, just, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about the lad, but I was just picking up on your comment, Ender, about um, disciplinary problems and attitude. Um, just just sharing, again, these little snippets that you pick up. Is, you know, I think Postacoglu uh, um, not only, I think, is a, fact-based data guy he's also would have all the kind of old school attributes and i say old school as if it's a an insult and it isn't it's not a criticism it's but you know post what i'm picking up is that postacoglu values the man right so when he's looking at a player it's not just about yeah he fits the profile can you do the job i want him to do he wants to know you're a good person in 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 his within his framework Mm -hmm. um you know, so for example, um, I, I am assured one hundred percent that Joe Hart was his signing, and it's mainly on the back of the the strength of the bond they formed, the personality he is, what he'll bring to the team over and above um, the, the the attributes as a goalkeeper. So, coming back to to this kid, if you know, if he's not, you know, and and I'm not saying you know, throw in the Lee Griffiths <laughs> phrase, if somebody doesn't measure up in terms of you know. Uh, Personality, character, and all those kinds of things—that's going to—that's going to be important to the manager. 
right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, easily distracted is how I would describe him <laughs> as opposed to a, a bad skin. Uh, like let's me. move on to... <laughs> <laughs> The, there's another question coming in on Twitter from the Resistance Review, and um, he said, "James, I'm, I'm sure you've been following the story. I haven't seen it, but Celtic announced that they were looking at a uh, for a head of data yesterday at the AGM. Uh, what type of candidate should Celtic be looking for on this end? Um, and does this mean that Celtic are moving in a more progressive direction?" Yeah, so that would be helpful. Um, I think. I've referenced this in the past, um, the importance of delineating the different domains. So there's the um, kind of the data management, data science piece. So you have to think about the kind of the infrastructure where you're having, maybe they're getting data from this system, that system, that system, and they have their own SQL database that they're managing internally or whatever it is their data infrastructure is. You got to get all these systems to kind of talk to each other and collate data to be able to do the analysis. So there's, you know, IT type stuff. There's then how do you actually go through and um, uh, deploy data science in order to um, uh, create the analytics. Then there's the separate domain as far as, okay, once you get all of that stuff prepped up, how do you analyze it? <laughs> Um, and that's where these worlds have merged to a degree is data science has kind of gone into machine learning and algorithms. Um, so uh, someone being a, a data person, it really depends on what that experience and domain means, meaning that what's their experience relative to the analytics piece, relative to the da data science piece. Um, I think some experience would be a huge uh, positive uh, but the other thing is, it's really an issue of culture. I mean, that I, I, I keep hearing routinely that there's quality people in these kinds of areas at the club that just aren't being listened to, uh, that the top decision makers and, and, and I don't mean this in the sense of Ange, I mean, that, um, that, that a lot of what's going on in the last 18 months relative to the transfer market. Uh, has been driven by other things, not from uh, the recruitment team or the analysts working there. Um, so, you know, it, I, I've used the analogy or the example of Barcelona repeatedly because they've ex they've put exorbitant amounts of resources um, before their financial collapse into one of the the world's leading data science arms. Uh, they hold their own conference for God's sakes. Uh, the guy who used to run it left to go to one of the biggest up and coming uh, companies called Zeus. And, and they haven't made hardly any decisions in the recruitment market <laughs> heading into this year, leveraging any of that. Like if I was working there, I would have been pulling my hair out too, watching some of the ridiculously moronic decisions that they made in the transfer market. Um, so, you know, I always go back to this issue of culture. You can hire the best data scientists and analysts in the world. And if you ignore what they're doing, then what the hell is the point, right? So you can mm -hmm. pour all this money and resources into it, but unless you're going to adjust the culture and turn it into, um, you know, another way to think about this is the data parts kind of on the bottom. This, that's the infrastructure. And then you, you need decision science on top of it, right? How, how are you going through a decision process? And that's a, a lot of that has to do with humans, <laughs> Um, more so than data. And, and uh, I think that's, that's been the part that we're continuously failing on. Um, so good news. Hopefully it's happening. 
but it's not going to be enough. And some yeah. of the talk yesterday at the AGM, you know, continues to make me frustrated and concerned that the um, the high end decision makers, you know, it's going to be tough to get them to shift the culture as far as how they're making their decisions. You're you're sitting here trying to tell me that Dermot Desmond and Ian Bankier aren't data driven guys. You're you're like they they yeah. Think they... Uh, uh, the, the the comment on um, bringing Brown back. I, I don't mean he. I don't think he meant that relative to like in a coaching capacity. I wouldn't be shocked oh, if some yeah. someone like. I mean that that's the level of um, you know analytical framework that that some of the people at that level are deploying. Which you know, imagine him at this age trying to play in Ange's system. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, it's patently ridiculous. I, and again, Brown's actually been pretty good this year at Aberdeen at that level because they're deploying him in a way that's not moronic, like Lennon did last season. Like they're letting him sit back and like a lot of his volume of outputs down a lot, but it's because he's not running around like a lunatic like he was last season. Like he's being more focused on how he's deploying his weaponry, so to speak, uh, to break up play and the things that he's always been good at. So, you know, it, there, there's just a lot of, um, bad decisions that have been made. And, and, um, I, I don't, I don't see that shifting until, until they, um, and this is a concern with relative to Ange and talk about a director of football, or if they're not, or, you know, wh who, who's the person that's ultimately going to make these decisions is Ange actually going to be empowered to make these decisions or is Desmond or whoever else is butting in, um, going to screw that up. And, and they've shown a history of butting in consistently, never, you know, kind of whether it was, and we don't know from an attribution perspective, how much of it was law. Well, how much of it's been bankier, how much has been Desmond? All we know is that there's been a lot of it through the years. Um, and you know, if that's going to just all of a sudden stop and they just let Ange do what he wants, I mean, that would be wonderful in my judgment because to me, Ange is way far ahead of, them on an IQ basis relative to what he's actually doing. Um, and I don't even think it's close. So that, that would be the good outcome. But then again, Ange isn't going to be here forever. No. Um, so he, when he leaves like Rogers, that intellectual firepower walks right out the door. Mm. You need to be prepared for that as well. And by the signs of the AGM, they're, they're just full on the, the train that Ange will be here forever and bring us a 10 in a, ten in a row in, in 10 years' time. Final thoughts on this song? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll call it. I mean, I think the chief meddler has probably left the building, but the, what we're left with is still an organization that, because we do have, have had excellent commercial acumen in, 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 our, in our deals in terms of sponsorship, <laughs> And because we've got an, an enormous and incredibly loyal and faithful fan base that spends and wants to spend its money on the club, you can easily be fooled into thinking that your performance is fantastic as a as a commercial director and leader within that organisation. When when you know there's so many areas that, and when you're comparing yourself against a, a bankrupt reckless opponent as well, it's easy to come to the conclusion that you're doing a really great job. So you know it's the it's this. James has been saying for some time, it's just the wrong benchmark you're using. And if you applied the right benchmark, you'd see that you weren't doing so well. So I'll just, all I was going to add really is it's a two-way thing um, in terms of data and um, getting your ideas across. 
you know, as a data scientist, a data professional, you've got to be able to visualize and, and get your ideas over in a compelling way that people who are, for example, football, come from a football background, may not have come from any sort of academic or research background. You've got to put it in a way that they'll understand and can engage with as well. So it's a two, it is a two-way thing. But clearly, you've got to be uh, hopefully pushing against a, a bit of an open door in terms of receptiveness to having uh, new information, new styles of information, new types of engagement, new ideas, new ways of thinking about problems and how to solve problems. You've got to be open to all of that kind of thinking, which I, I certainly get the impression that Postacoglu uh, is. And I'm, I'm hopeful, hopefully, it isn't a revolution that's needed. Hopefully, there are all these talented people sitting in cobweb, <laughs> cobwebbed infested rooms around the building who've just been ignored all this time and and will be revitalized uh, when they'll actually listen to. Hopefully that is the case. But it's very yeah. quiet at the moment. Uh, maybe maybe that maybe maybe because what the meddlers left behind is a bunch of yes men. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I will leave your address and James's address in the uh, description below if Celtic want to get in touch. And, uh, <laughs> I think I think, I think we've just talked ourselves out of that one. <laughs> uh, well, we are just. We're, we're just about out of time, but I do want to touch on one final comment. It's just coming in on YouTube from Matthew Wright. He's asking about uh, Bazunu as a number two at Celtic, 19-year-old who's currently playing um, in League One on loan from Manchester City, I should say. Um, he is a phenomenal player, a phenomenal talent, um, has been Ireland's number one for the second half of the World Cup campaign. Absolutely brilliant talent, good with his feet. 19-year-old uh, who has wisdom way beyond his years, leadership way beyond his years. The issue I see with him coming to Celtic is, number one, he wouldn't be coming as a number two. He would have to be the, the, the starting goalkeeper. And the second one is that I think he's rated too highly at Manchester City at the minute for them to uh, sell him to Celtic for a price that's within our, our range of, uh, of valuation. I think like he, he's going to be a Premier League goalkeeper in the future, they're not going to sell him to Celtic for a pittance at this point in time, at this point in his career. There's a reason he's out on loan. The reason he's out on loan is that Manchester City feel that he is too good to play underage football for them. He needs senior football at 19 years old. And the second reason is that he's just not, he's, he needs to develop his talents <clears throat> and he's not going to do that as number two to Ederson on the bench because he's not going to get enough game time. So, He's a he's a lone e from Man City for a reason. They want to develop him for their team. So, uh, on on uh, talent wise, I do believe he is absolutely good enough to be Celtic's number one goalkeeper. Um, but I think he's just out of our pressure range. So that would be my thoughts on Gavin Bazunu. But yeah, if if anybody wants to take a look at him, just to look at his highlight reel from the World Cup. Um, over the last uh, last couple of weeks, he's been really really good. Uh, James Allen, anything else before we finish up? No, we know we have to go, Enda. You have a life yeah. unlike us, so go, go, go have your life. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I would just add that goalkeeper, if we're gonna, if we've got money to spend, I wouldn't be spending on goal, goalkeeping position at this point in time. No. Okay, interesting. That is the huddle breakdown for another week. We will be back again next week with a review of the St. Johnson League Cup final, so hopefully... Semi-final. Win the, Semi oh, semi-final. 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 Watch it end yeah, not that confident. Um, <laughs> semi final. Hopefully, we'll be we'll be. You just checked the sender. Getting into the final. So uh, yeah, that 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 was a good intro. That was a good outro. This is the huddle breakdown. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can get us at huddle breakdown, or you can get us on uh, Spotify, where you can listen to the the podcast. You can get also get it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast as well. 
And uh, you can subscribe to this YouTube channel as well at Breakdown Inc. And uh, come join us for the weekly show. That is us done for this week. We'll chat to you next week. Good luck. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 